I'm preaching today on the subject, A Greater Cause. A Greater Cause. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless with the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit in the proclamation of your word today. I pray that you would arrest the attention of everyone as we are here in the open air with just the skies above us, the sun shining beautifully and the warmth enjoyable. Lord, as we gather in our seats, in our assembly, in our cars on this property today, we pray that you'd speak to our heart in a special way. I pray that all distractions would be taken away and our focus on purpose would be on the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In our text passage, King Hezekiah leads the people of Judah in the greatest revival or spiritual awakening of their day to make official the decision of these people and this nation to return to their walk with God they make a very large burnt sacrifice. The Bible says in chapter 21 of our text chapter this morning, Then Hezekiah the king arose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven he-goats for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. Get the picture, if you will. The animals are placed on an altar of wood. A fire is lit. The fire begins to burn and make its way toward the burning of the animal sacrifices. I want to make note that burnt sacrifices did not represent the Lord Jesus here as did the sacrifice of a lamb where their blood was spilt but a burnt sacrifice as in our text passage today it represented the confession of sins of God's people to the Lord it was an action of their sins being confessed and forgiven May I remind you that our relationship with the Lord is in two parts. First of all, there's the actual relationship. And second of all, there is the fellowship. The relationship is made possible by the Lamb of God that died, a lamb without spot and blemish, the Lord Jesus, as he died on the cross to pay for our sins, making us his sons and daughters. I'm thankful for the relationship that I have with Christ. I'm glad that my salvation is eternal. The receiving of my salvation was not by my works of righteousness. The receiving of my salvation was by the, sp uh, the spilled blood on Calvary and that blood sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. My assurance of salvation is not dependent upon my behavior but it too is dependent on the price that Christ made and my receiving of that gift of eternal life however there is the second part of the relationship and that is fellowship now fellowship can be broken while the relationship remains the same a father and son can be father and son but have a broken fellowship 
a husband and wife can remain husband and wife but have broken fellowship a brother a sister a mother a daughter a father a son they can have a relationship but have a broken fellowship because of a wrong that has been committed between them while the fellowship may be broken the relationship cannot be broken it stays the same now it is a wonderful thing when confession of a wrong is made and forgiveness is given so that the fellowship of the relationship can be restored are you with me this morning so we understand there is a relationship and there is a fellowship the burnt offering was not about the relationship that was already secure they were the people of God but the burnt sacrifice was to restore the fellowship that had been broken because of their sin now get the picture if you will the wood is set in place this is a huge altar because this is a very large sacrifice the wood is set in place and the altar is built the animals is uh, the animals are taken and they're placed on the altar watch if you will as the fire is set to the wood and the wood begins to burn and the crackling noise is heard and the smoke begins to ascend as the fire burns its way up through the wood making its way to the sacrifices picturing their sin that has been confessed and their sin that will be taken away and their fellowship restored it's interesting as you read verse number 27 where the Bible says and when the burnt offering began the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David king of Israel imagine if you will if there was in our midst a large altar and that altar is burning with fire and the sacrifices are catching fire and they're beginning to burn and be reduced to ashes and there are cymbals and there are trumpets and there are instruments of praise and they begin to sound out across the valley there as the people stood at the burnt offering imagine if you could hear the sounding of many trumpets and the sounding of many instruments and then they began to lead the people in chorus as they sang praise why would they rejoice over a burnt offering what could be exciting about watching animals burn on a sacrifice I'll tell you why the people rejoiced and the music was played and the songs were sung because it meant a surrendering of their will to the will of God it, 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 it uh, was a symbol of taking away the barrier between them and their fellowship with God and so as that sin was being taken away a song took the place are you listening a song took the place of guilt music took the place of their bad feeling that they had from the conviction of their sin anytime there is a surrender for something greater there is a joy and a gladness that results don't miss that statement it's important for understanding the message anytime there is a surrender for something greater 
there is joy and a gladness that results. You see, when the prodigal son, who had gone into the far country and wasted his substance in riotous living, and he spent all that he had, all the Bible said uh, one day, uh, he came to himself as he was there feeding the hogs as a servant and a slave. And the Bible tells us uh, that he was hungry. And the Bible said that he came to himself. And when he did, he said, I will arise and go to my father's house. And he said, the servants have bread enough to eat and to spare. And he went back hoping that he could just receive a place to work, a place to serve, that he could earn bread to eat. Ah, oh, but dear friend, when he put his sin on the altar and he began to burn his sin on that burnt offering, a joy started in his soul. He didn't even make it home until his daddy saw him. A great way off and he ran and he, and he uh, fell on his son and he uh, hugged his neck and he kissed him and he rejoiced. This my son was lost but now is found. He gave the instruction, kill the fatted calf. Take the robe and the ring and put it on the boy. Hey, he's made a greater choice. He's given up his will to come back and do the will of the Father. That's, going, that's what's going on in Judah. That's what's going on under the leadership of Hezekiah. When Paul yielded himself to God on the Damascus road and he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There was a joy that came inside his soul, a joy that resulted from him giving up his will for something greater, giving up his life for a greater cause to do the will of God. The joy in the soul of Saul, or Paul the apostle, was so great that when he went through his uh, went through the valleys of life, he could still sing the songs of praise. When he went to jail, he could still praise the God of heaven. When they beat him and they locked him in stocks and bonds and they told him he could never preach again, he still not only rejoiced, but he took a quill and a piece of paper and he penned the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. The joy that came inside the heart of Saul of Tarshish when he surrendered his will for a greater cause was a joy that took him all the way to the day when he said the words from prison, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You see, these Jews in the days of King Hezekiah, they had left their worship of the Lord. They gave up worship for work. They gave up their praise of God for personal pursuits. But now they realize a personal pursuit does not bring joy. Working to increase what I have doesn't bring joy. Ah, but fellowship with the God of heaven, that gives a joy that nothing in this world can give. And so as they saw those bullocks burn and those animals burn, and they saw that sacrifice go from animals to ashes and descend, oh, they sang until it was gone because there was a joy in their heart. They had given their life for a greater cause. When a young man, when a young person gives themselves to join a branch of the military, they understand they are potentially giving their very lives for their country. Now it is not a guarantee that they are going to die in battle, as most do not. But they do understand that if duty calls, 
they have given themselves to answer the call even if it means to give their life for the cause. It's an interesting thing that happens. There is a particular pride. I'm not talking about a sinful pride. There, 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 there is a personal joy to realize I've given myself for a greater cause. Multiplied thousands have died for the freedom of our nation. It is considered a most honorable death to die for the country. Some have said the highest glory of death to give your life for the freedom of your country. To give your life for the freedom of our children and coming generations. Soldiers considered the freedom of their country a greater cause to give their lives for their country than to live it for themselves. So many have volunteered for military duty a greater cause. You and I know those that served in Korea, Vietnam. We have known those that served in World War II. We've even heard the stories that said, I wasn't old enough to join, but I wanted to join so bad, my folks, they signed for me to go. Some even said they told their age to be older than it was because they saw an opportunity to serve for a greater cause. More than 600,000 died in the great tragedy of the Civil War. In the speech made by President Abraham Lincoln, which he expected to be words that would soon be forgotten, have endured and become one of the most well-known speeches of an American president. The Gettysburg Address was delivered during the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, 147 years ago this month. It was November 19th. It was four and a half months after the Union armies defeated those of the Confederacy at the Battle of Gettysburg. I have walked the battlefield of Gettysburg. I've listened to the stories of the tour guides. I've listened to the stories of how different uh, parts of the battle took place here and here and here. And somewhat of an eerie feeling to walk on that battlefield and to realize the price that was paid. Abraham Lincoln, in his speech, he recognized one thing from the beginning to the end. He recognized that in every generation there are those willing to give their lives for a greater cause. Imagine, if you will, 147 years ago to stand on a place still stained by the blood of soldiers and to hear President Lincoln Talk about every generation willing to give their lives for a greater cause, he said. Fourscore and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war 
testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We're met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that this nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground, the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Lincoln's words have not only been remembered, it is the most memorized presidential speech and the challenge remains the same. There is something in life to live for that's a greater cause than the satisfying of our flesh. Church, there's a greater cause for you and I to live than to just take advantage of the goodness and the greatness of God to say, God, we want these goods to consume on our own lust. Oh, no, it behooves us to see a greater cause than just to live for our own pleasures and our own selfish interests and to realize there is a greater cause before us that we must give our lives for. This is why the music played when the sacrifice burned. They were dedicating themselves to a new freedom. They were dedicating themselves to a greater cause. They were rededicating their lives to the fellowship of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord did not give us our lives here to be lived for self and selfish ambitions. And I fear today the, the change that we've seen in our country has been the result of us misunderstanding our blessings. Our blessings are not given to be consumed. Certainly we enjoy our blessings. But our blessings have been given to us to give to the next generation and the next until the coming of the Lord. 
as Hezekiah made a burnt sacrifice to the Lord that represented the sacrifice of these people and their wills, there was a great joy and there was a great music. And I want to tell you, when you come to the place in your life that you've given up your ambitions for the will of God, the music will play in your soul and the joy will sound in your heart to realize I am not living my life for selfish gains, but I'm living my life for a greater cause and that greater cause being the will of God. I ask you today, have you given your life for a greater cause? First of all, do you know Christ as your Savior? I ask those of you here seated before me, those of you that are in cars across the parking lot and the many folks that are watching online, have you seen that salvation and life in Christ is a far greater cause than just living for self and life and for sin that satisfies for just a season and brings pleasure for just a season and yet an eternity without Christ? I say today, as they built that burnt uh, uh, altar, uh, that altar for that burnt sacrifice, so you ought to say no to your selfish desires and say yes to salvation in Christ. What about for God in His will to replace our will, for us to give our lives to do the will of God? What about the work of the local church to reach its town, its city, and its state for Christ with the gospel? I ask, is that not a greater cause? I answer, oh yes, the cause of Christ is the greatest cause on earth. We can't use God just to get blessings. God has a right to expect to use us as his servants to advance the greatest story that's ever been told, and that's the story of the gospel of Christ. What about the next generation of children? Who is going to reach those that are growing up around us, many of them never hearing God's name unless they hear it taken in vain or hear it used as a curse word? What about the children that ride our buses? Who is going to reach them for Christ if the church doesn't say there's a greater cause than coming to church just to enjoy the blessings of God, but to say, I want to give a part of my life and my time and my resources that the next generation can know of the joy of faith in Christ and eternal life. This past Thursday... Yet another tragedy took place just a couple of miles from here in the parking lot of the Fayette Mall. Two young men fighting over something that valued less than $100. One shot the other in the back. He took off running. I talked this week to one of the law enforcement officers that was the first to that young man, 21 years old, he ran until he could not run anymore, laying there on the ground bleeding as the officers got to him. He said, Sir, can you get me a cup of water? The paramedics were there. They put him on the stretcher. Just a few seconds, his life was gone. Is it not a greater cause 
that you and I would make sure that everybody in our town has heard that Christ came to forgive of their sin and to give them a home in heaven. I say as our military men have given their lives for a greater cause, yea, Christians are called soldiers by the Lord and we ought to give of our lives and even willing to die for the cause of Christ saying there's a greater cause than just to live and enjoy the blessings of America. What about the teenagers of our state who hear that their life will only be fun with drugs and alcohol and immorality to find it's nothing but a lie of the devil after their lives are in pain and many times broken? What about the towns in our state that have no gospel witness? Ladies and gentlemen, there is a greater cause in life than to live it to see what we can accomplish in life. And dear friend, I'm not talking about us not working and providing for our families. And you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm thankful for those that work and they work hard. But I want to tell you, if you've given nothing of your life to serve God, your God deserves a part of your life to serve Him. And this country deserves every Christian to give of themselves for the greater cause that they can know not only salvation but joy in the Christian life. I'd like to ask you a question today. Would you in your mind build an altar? Would you place the wood and place a burnt sacrifice on that wood? And that sacrifice representing the thing that has come between you and fellowship with God or you and, and your service for God? Would you set fire to that altar? And that burnt sacrifice, would you set fire to that besetting sin? Would you set fire to those things that are keeping you from serving God? Would you set fire to those things that would keep you from trusting Christ as Savior and say today, I want to give of myself for a greater cause. You're here this morning. You've never received Christ as your personal Savior. I plead with you today to make this the day of your salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Not because it was free, but because Christ paid the great price of His life on Calvary. And our sin debt is paid for, but to go to heaven and receive that gift, we must receive Christ's payment for our here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, would you even now call on Him and trust Him as your Savior? Are you here as a Christian? And you as the people of Judah have been so enjoyed the blessings of God that you forgot about your fellowship with God. Don't wait until all of the blessings of God are gone before you recognize the God that gave them to you. Don't, don't make God have to take away everything in your life until you give your life to God. Don't wait until your years are spent and then realize there was never any real joy or lasting joy in all of the things that separated me and my fellowship and my service for God. Would you today decide I'm going to burn those sins? I'm going to give my life to do the will of God and for a greater cause. Stand with me, if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. In just a moment, she'll play the invitation song. And somewhere between your chair 
and this altar. In your mind, you ought to start an altar with a burnt offering to say, I'm going to destroy that sin that's separating me from fellowship with God. Heavenly Father, what this nation needs more than anything today is their fellowship with you restored. How many a Christian has not darkened the door of a church in years? They've gone to ball games. They've gone to entertaining events. They've claimed your salvation. But Lord, they've profaned your day. They've taken it from you. And Lord, what America needs today is in our hearts build an altar and burn that sin that separates us from fellowship. Do a work in our hearts today. Do a work among our church and visitors. In Jesus' name I pray.